Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome, folks, to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. G'day, Lindy. Can you please tell us about our topic and guest for this episode? Hi, Grant. Coming to you from a very sunny and a little bit smoky Sydney today. Now, we've had many a discussion on this podcast about plastic packaging, and I'm very pleased to say that today we'll be talking about a packaging material that is a rising star as the tide turns against single-use plastic, and that is paper, or fiber-based packaging, as it's referred to in some contexts. We're going to kick off our discussion today with one of the most publicized switches from single-use plastic to recyclable paper in Australia, and that takes the form of supermarket giant Woolworths investing in a partnership with one of Australia's foremost paper packaging converters, Pack. They are going to be making paper shopping bags for the group's stores nationally. Now, here to tell us all about it and to discuss some broader trends in paper-based packaging is someone who knows a great deal about both packaging and sustainability. And that's Tom Lunn, Group General Manager, Marketing and Innovation and Head of Sustainability at Debtpack. Welcome, Tom. Hi, Lindy. Thanks for talking to us today. Well, Tom, this project is a great boost for local manufacturing. Can you outline the scope of it? Um, the project with Woolworths, that is, and when it started, what investment and inputs have been involved from both sides? Sure. Woolworths uh, started speaking to Debtpack a little over a year ago. Um, they had some very clear guidelines of what they were trying to achieve. Uh, it had to be a minimum 70% recycled content. They wanted to move away from plastic bags to paper bags, knowing that the, the single-use plastic bans were coming. And they wanted to really also consider a localisation story. The gold star from Woolworths point of view was if they could actually start to talk about a buyback program where their own waste stream, their own corrugated cardboard cartons that they were collecting could actually be turned back into the bags that they used within their own system. So that was the loose brief. Um, It was Woolworths and it involved their sustainability project development arm uh, called 360 uh, and it's a little over a year ago that we started that conversation. Well, it would have been um, the first thing that would have been the big challenge, I assume, would have been the material development. So can you talk us through how you went about developing the paper for the paper bag? Certainly. So there's some unique requirements for the material. As you could imagine, in a supermarket environment, you have cold and frozen foods as well as dry foods, sharp products and soft products. So uh, the specification for the bag is it's got to hold six kilograms of product, but it also has to quite a long time with cold beverages and and things like that. A big part of Woolworths business is also their internet delivery business, um, which was another requirement for these bags to replace plastic. So coming up with a material that could be recyclable and also have some degree of wet strength and also integrate 70% recycled content was a bit of a challenge. Initially, we found a couple of mills overseas who could meet that criteria and we together passed those bags and we had a product that we were manufacturing in our plants overseas uh, to get Woolworths started uh, here in South Australia, trialling the bag and making sure it worked in their operations. Then we needed to work with mills locally and uh, Opal Australian Paper and Maryvale uh, were a willing partner and together we were able to develop a specific grade that met all of those criteria for Woolworths. So specifically quite able to withstand, did you say, six kilograms of weight as a maximum grocery bag? 
Yeah, so the weight of the grocery bag, uh, that six kilograms is quite common within the industry, but the unusual part is the very high recycle content and uh, the having to have that ability to withstand condensation around cold bottles of milk and things like that. Because um, generally, when you integrate recycled content, you're giving up something in terms of functionality. Um, the other criteria is that that virgin part of that fibre had to be certified as well. Um, and so in Australia, that's uh, PEFC certification and, and with our mills overseas, um, they were either PEFC or FSC, but certainly we were able to achieve that as well. Well, I must say the, the one convenience factor that I really like about the paper bags is that they fold so neatly. Um, and also lightweight and, and clean to keep stacked in, in my car for when I go and shop at Woolworths. Um, so moving on, though, uh, away from my shopping habits to the manufacturing side. So you developed the material. At the same time, you were probably gearing up on the manufacturing side to handle the volume and um, getting the machinery in line. What machinery have you had to install so far? Is there more machinery to come? And when you're using this machinery, are you building capacity that will allow you to service retailers beyond Woolworths? A couple of questions there in one go. Yeah. So, so certainly the really exciting aspect of this project um, was obviously a circular solution and that um, buying back um, was very exciting for everyone to be part of that. But the other thing is about local manufacture. Woolworths were very keen that we move to manufacture these bags locally here in Australia and what that's meant is we've had to put in another three bag machines uh, on the back of this contract. That will be four bag machines that we're putting in, so two uh, here and two still to come. So the rollout has started nationally uh, for locally made, but Woolworths is already offering the bag through all of its stores. Um, but South Australia has been using South Australian made bags for a few months, and then very recently it's Victoria, WA, Northern Territory have also rolled out locally made bags. So it's about 25 jobs in total um, coming to Australia as part of uh, establishing those bag machines. Uh, there is some excess capacity um, and Detmold's, um, the Detmold Group, um, the owner of Detpack, is continually investing in infrastructure. So we, we're building capacity to support other retailers in Australia as well. And what have been the benefits of this project to the Detpack business? It's a massive investment on the part of both yourselves and Woolworths. How has it impacted the business positively? Well, certainly it's it's a good news story. Sustainability is absolutely at the core of what we do and, and being a leader in sustainability is one of our key objectives. And so being part of this story is very pleasing for anyone in our business uh, that's been involved. It's, it's obviously a big contract, um, a very large footprint for Woolworths. It's a lot of bags. Uh, we're talking millions of bags a month. Um, so it's allowed us to invest. It gives us some surety uh, to put in more capability here in Australia. Certainly we knew with single-use plastic bands um, coming in that there would be more requirement for locally made bags, but this really helps us underpin our investment. So we've been able to employ more people. We've been able to um, put more equipment into our Australian operations. Well, those are tremendous gains for the debt pack business, Tom. But what has Woolworths gained in terms of its circular story? Well, I think Woolworths has had a number of benefits. First of all, they've been able to remove plastic bags from their system and, and lightweight single-use plastic bags are identified as a problematic plastic around the world. So that was objective number one. Um, objective number two was to make sure that they had an offering for shoppers uh, who did forget to bring their reusable 
bag uh, that consumers were happy with and they've had excellent consumer feedback. Uh, certainly early on when some of the bags were coming in from overseas and there were bags marked uh, as made overseas, there was some pushback in social media and so that really validated this localisation of manufacture. Uh, it's a great example where Woolworths has used its scale uh, to create uh, a good sustainability uh, story and to support local manufacturing. So um, Woolworths is very pleased, I think, also to be able to demonstrate that they can use um, their footprint in order to uh, encourage other industries to follow. So tell me a little bit more about the buyback part of the, the equation. You said that some of the, they're trying to use some of the corrugated and other fibre-based products that they've already used, um, unpacking boxes in stores, I assume, um, getting those back to you to reuse or back to the mill to reuse. How does that work? Yeah, so there's two aspects. The first one in terms of sustainability, what we're trying to do in circular solutions is uh, avoid anything going to landfill and find higher uses for those materials, turn them into resources. And one of the, the clear streams that has value from Woolworths, and you can imagine with their national footprint, is the amount of corrugated cartons that they're collecting today, which historically has been part of a waste contract. It's been sold, it's had a value, um, but certainly Woolworths are aware that with that resource stream and then a need for fibre coming into bags, that there should be a way to connect those two. And so they're actually then creating demand, which pulls through the recycled content, and it is really a key part of that circular story. So we were able to pull together a number of partners, not just our, not just Deppack and Woolworths, but also to bring in the collectors, to bring in Opal, who are part of that collection stream, and the very cartons that have been collected and recycled are being made back into the same paper grades that we're using to make those bags. So a truly circular story there. So this might seem like an obvious question. We've worked through what Deppack gained and what Woolworths has gained. What about the consumer? Well, we're all consumers, and all of live with the reality of not wanting to live in a world that's choked with waste um, and oceans that are choked with plastic and uh, needing to make sure that we take precious care of our resources. So yeah, we all benefit. I guess the, the key things, it's a very good product. It still does what consumers need. Consumers ultimately are really looking for a guilt-free option when they need single-use um, packaging of any type uh, and with a very high recycled content um, a good, clear story. People are feeling like they're doing the right thing. And that's and that's really what we've been able to do together um, with Woolworths and Deppack is create a product and a story with a low footprint that really is doing the right thing with all of the technology and commercial situation available to us. So when we, we uh, reported on this recently in PKN, um, you have ramped up the rollout. You've, it started in South Australia. You've now gone into other um, states and territories. What's what's the timeline on the whole national rollout being complete? Uh, so certainly it will be complete by the end of the year. Um, so already bags are being supplied into New South Wales and Queensland, but we're having to have a, a mixed supply model from our overseas plants as well as our local manufacturer. Uh, so there's a couple more machines arriving. We're already employing people and beginning training them. Um, and from around October, um, that supply will transition. Certainly by the end of the year, all of the bags will be manufactured locally here in Australia. I assume that the pandemic had some impact on the um, ability to get those new machines up and running? Yes, it did. Uh, certainly world shipping um, was interrupted, as anyone in the retail space uh, would be well aware. Um, we were lucky in that Deppack is a manufacturer of essential um, services. We, we produce both medical and food-related packaging, and so our operations were largely uninterrupted through the pandemic, but 
certainly there were um, some impacts, but uh, we were able to keep this project on track largely through the through the entire um, pandemic. Well, as you said, it's certainly a, a fantastic good news story for local manufacturing and for all the, the stakeholders involved. But I'd like to move on now to look at some broader packaging trends. And we've just about to publish our May-June issue in which we are looking at an article on the top five trends um, as per a company called Innova Market Insights. And one of the trends that they report on there is called the fiber-based frenzy. Now, this describes the rising sophistication and availability of fiber-based or paper-based solutions as viable alternatives to single-use plastics, which one of which we've discussed now, the paper bags. But of course, this has application across a variety of packaging applications. Now, can you comment from your company's perspective um, about the materials that are now available to um, the fiber-based or paper-based packaging converter like yourselves? Yeah, certainly um, paper and paperboard are the core of our business and have been for many years. It, it has the great advantage that there's a very well-established recycling stream uh, both nationally and internationally already. So having access to recycled content and being able to buy commercial grades with high recycled content is already well within reach of both the converters and the brands. Um, so it's a great starting point. What's happening now is really the coatings and uh, functional additions to those papers are allowing us to move beyond very simple applications like bags uh, into areas like direct food packaging and, and um, some of the fast-moving consumer goods. So there's been a lot of work in technologies where we can apply coatings to papers and have them still be recyclable or compostable, provide some of the barrier properties that plastic typically does so well, some of the heat sealability and those sorts of functional properties, uh, but still be recyclable or compostable through those widely available collection streams. Yes, certainly those advances in barrier properties uh, are making a significant change uh, to the ability to use paper in some of the packaging applications that we would normally have had to use a laminate for, a flexible laminate. Now, Detmold itself has released a set of packaging trends. Uh, can you talk us through the top trends you see impacting the Australian packaging industry in the post-COVID world? Yeah, well, certainly sustainability uh, the towards 2025 guidelines um, and I guess specifically uh, the government's direction to have 80% of products within supermarkets carrying the ARL, the Australasian Recycling Label, by December 2023. Um, they're driving the development pipelines for us and most of our customers. So huge amount of development work um, related to sustainability uh, and particularly around the Ella MacArthur and then um, the resulting global towards 2025 guidelines. I think combined with that is a consumer preference for paper and fibre, as well as having to comply with legislation. There's definitely products which sell better when they're in fibre-based packaging uh, versus the plastic packaging next to them. Uh, so definitely sustainability is number one. Um, and the fact that this legislation now, single-use problematic plastic bans, um, national targets, uh, and then big brands with global targets that they've set, uh, which is really driving a lot of activity. So that's definitely number one. I think number two uh, for us that has really been amplified during the pandemic, and that is a move towards home delivery in food service. So if you look pre-pandemic, -pan um, some of the big quick service restaurant chains might have had 50 to 70% um, takeout and 50 to 25% in-store and a very small amount of home delivery. Those numbers of home delivery are as high as 
um, for some of these brands and may well continue at that rate. So the rise of the, the aggregators, the Uber Eats, the Deliveroo's and these sorts of companies around the world has really driven uh, that home delivery. That requires packaging specifically uh, and really does change those businesses significantly. It's impacting people's buying habits in retail. It's blurring the lines between fast, casual, formal dining and retail um, purchase of goods. So definitely uh, food delivery was a trend that was there before the pandemic. It absolutely got amplified when there's lockdowns and people couldn't go into restaurants and it, and it really is changing the face of our industry. So they would be the real two standout drivers, I guess, at the moment. Yes, and of course, a lot of that food delivery does actually take place in paper-based boxes. So that's good news as well. Now, what do you see as the biggest challenges and or opportunities facing your company and the wider packaging industry as we head down this this road, fast-tracking to 2025? Certainly having guidelines uh, and targets has really brought some clarity uh, to people and getting clear definitions of what is to be used long-term has really helped and really narrowed the focus um, of brands. I think in the short term, there's still mass confusion. We know that consumers prefer the term biodegradable to compostable, for instance. Um, if you have something that's biodegradable, that tells no one what to do with that package. People assume you could then throw it into landfill, it would be okay, you could litter and it would be okay. That's absolutely not what we want. So there's still a period there of confusion. We need to provide clarity and consistency. And I know that's what APCO and the industry are trying to do and government is trying to do, but it certainly does mean that we have uh, a whole lot of solutions in the market which are not necessarily aligned to where we'll end up in the future. So I guess, I guess that confusion is one that I would point out. Um, plastic is prevalent because it is very good at many things. It preserves food well. It's very cheap. Uh, functionally, it's excellent. Its issue is that the recycling rates are so low, uh, there's no way we reach those targets um, without making significant change. And so there is a cost impact often to move to different technologies, and that, that is difficult for brands. Uh, leading brands can do it on some products where they can command a premium, but there will be commercial challenges uh, and certainly coming out of COVID, there's a lot of brands who would like to do more um, but are in a difficult position. So I think everybody's on the right path. Uh, there's some brands that always sit and wait until the last minute uh, and some brands that are proactive and moving ahead. And that's certainly what I'm saying at the moment. And what's your view on the power of collaboration when it comes to moving us forward faster? Because we've seen some really good examples in our industry just this year of collaborations, yours and Bullworth's being one of them, um, where you've also worked with Opal, where you've worked within the value chain to, de to deliver a product. Um, how important do you think collaboration is going forward? Yeah, collaboration is, is essential. It, it is very hard. I, I guess we would make the point um, we've been working very hard to form partnerships and collaborate. There is a reality. You need to kiss a lot of frogs before you find the right path. It's, it's not easy, um, but it's the only way you create a circular outcome. You, you need consumers to pull through the product. You need clear labelling so consumers know what to do so the collectors can then go to streams. You need recyclers to accept those streams. They need to have value, which means you need to create markets. The brands need to be demanding it to create the value. The brands need to help the designers design the product. So that circular motion, any one part of that breaks and you can't move forward. And so collaboration is the only way to do it. You need everybody involved. I think government has a role in helping set the, the stage for everybody, but it really has to be consumers and industry working together then to execute. 
I have to agree with that. And the point you make about clarity every step of the way is going to be so vital going forward. People need to have no confusion about what to do with their materials and Industry needs to have no confusion about what, what the rules are, really, um, and the rules perhaps need to get a little tougher. However, that's just my view. Um, I think it's time for us to bring this to a wrap in paper, not plastic, at this time around. Thank you very much, Tom, for joining us. Do you have any final message you'd like to get through? Uh, thank you, Lindy. I think probably the only comment I would make is the packaging industry really is taking the opportunity to move forward. There's lots of us uh, in the industry who are trying things and working with brands and leading brands are, are moving quickly as well. I think we would love the waste industry to, to move as quickly as we move. And you can see that's why the government is stepping in and, and providing incentives in that space. But I guess I'd like to congratulate the leaders in the packaging industry and, and let's all keep doing it together. Certainly. And you're one of those leaders. So thank you very much for joining us today, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, Lindy. Thank you, Tom. Another great discussion and uh, really quite fascinating of what's gone into making these uh, paper and fibre-based bags that uh, we see around the place these days. So uh, thanks very much for that. Folks, thanks also to you for joining us for this episode. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future for another informative episode. But until then, have a great day. You've been listening to the PKN Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News. Owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.